Brothers and sisters, the, the, the Bible reading this morning is from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 2, from uh, verse 11, and it's on page 486 of the Pew Bibles, if you want to follow. So that's Nehemiah, chapter 2, from verse 11. Nehemiah inspects Jerusalem's walls. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days... I set out during the night with a few men. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me, and what the king had said to me. They replied, Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing? they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. This is the word of the Lord. And so now we're going to invite the Reverend Mark, soon to be Reverend Canon Mark, and so who's going to come and share God's word. But he'll always be my brother from another mother. So let's just pray for him. So Father God, we do give thanks for Mark and what a gift he is. And we pray now that you would bless him and bless us with your spirit as we hear what you have laid upon his heart. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We're working our way through the story of Nehemiah as a parish, and as you probably know if you've been following with us the past few weeks, and today we get to the stage where uh, Nehemiah arrives in Jerusalem and sees all the work that needs doing. When I was training to be a vicar in college, uh, someone told us about a vicar there uh, who always began his topics, his preaching. Whatever verse you gave him to preach on would always begin by saying, this is one of my favorite Bible passages. Uh, and I feel like that because every time I stand before you here, I feel like saying the same. Uh, this doesn't seem very exciting, does it? Here we've got loads of broken down walls and burnt gates and references to the dung gate. And you're thinking, how is this going to inspire me today, this week? But oh, I found so much in this. This is, this is so, such a great passage. And I pray that we will learn so much from this today. You might like to follow. We're in Nehemiah chapter 2 and we're looking at verses 11 to 20 here. 
And the big question really I want to start with, I've got some big questions to ask us this morning as we uh, challenge ourselves about this, is are you a builder or a destroyer? Are you a builder or a destroyer? Because many of us fit into one or other of those categories. Uh, On Friday, I had the delight of going up to North Wales to spend some time with two of my grandchildren, uh, Gwenan, who is four, and Roswen, who is just one, was one yesterday. And there, I saw very clearly a builder and a destroyer. If I got out the building blocks, then Gwenan, who is four, loves finding out how tall the tower she can possibly make uh, and the things she can do with her bricks. She's a builder, Roswen. One, just learnt to walk, would soon come across the room, smash, and the whole thing would be done. In fact, she even stopped us building at times. You didn't even let us build the tower. You know what these kids are like? You don't even get it built to a decent height, and they're coming in and smashing it down. Builders and destroyers. Are you a builder or a destroyer? Are you here to work, to help build the kingdom of God in this place? Or are you a destroyer? We meet both of them in this passage here. So we get Nehemiah. He's been uh, working for the Persian king at Xerxes. News reaches him of the poor state of Jerusalem. He prays, gets permission from his boss, the king, for time to go off and sort things out. He's given an armed guard and sets off on the long journey to Jerusalem. And then today in our passage, we see what happens when he arrives and how he sets about things. So today we're thinking about building and particularly the preparations for building. And one of my daughters, Rebecca, and her husband are having major building work done. They've got a small cottage, and they're having an extension to, to their cottage. And they, they, and we, have learned lots about all of the building processes and all that you need to do to get these sort of things to happen. And I've identified six stages in building a house, or any sort of building, really, And they're the same when we talk about building God's kingdom. So this morning we're going to look at preparation, planning, permission, people, passion, and perseverance. That's quite a lot in this passage, all beginning with P. And that's what we're going to go through. Preparation. That's where it all begins, isn't it? Before a single brick is laid, there's a whole lot of preparation to be done. If you want to build a house, there are a million decisions to be made. How big is it going to be? How many stories? How many windows? Where are you going to put the door? What materials are you going to build out of? What about access? What sort of floor are you going to have? What shape will the kitchen be? There's so much to decide. You've got all of that preparatory work. You need to do research, to do some sums to make sure you can afford it, to find out so many things, all of that preparatory work. What happened with Nehemiah? Well, first he had the information. Then we know from chapter 1 he turned to prayer. A period of serious prayer and fasting before God called him to act. He had a close relationship with his heavenly father. And God chose to use him to achieve his purposes. We see our world. We listen to the news. And we look at our town here. And we know some of its needs. We know that without Jesus, the people around us have no hope. Without repentance and a turning to God, there can be no hope for eternity. 
we've got some idea of what needs to be done. And we prepare to build God's kingdom here in the same way that Nehemiah began his building project by prayer. By asking God to inspire us, to give us that vision, to show us what it is he's calling us to do here. And this time of prayerful preparation is important. Asking God for vision and direction and the resources that we need to achieve all that he's called us to do. Nehemiah was given that vision. His vision to go and rebuild the walls and the gates of Jerusalem. What happened next? After the preparation, we have the planning. The very important planning stage. Yes, you've got the vision, but don't rush. There's still some more work to be done. There's some planning to go on. I'm slowly learning this in life. This, this bit is important, this bit of planning and this not rushing into things. I'm a very much an impulsive person who has an idea and wants to get on with it. I remember as a child one day thinking, oh, I want to rearrange my bedroom. I'm sure the bed will look much better by the window. And I put the wardrobe over there. And within two minutes of thinking that, I was shifting heavy furniture across the room and trying to sort things out. And it was chaos. I hadn't measured things up. Uh, Things didn't fit. Some bits were too heavy. Some bits fell over and made a big mess as I was trying to shift bits of furniture. Chaos. I've learned a little bit now. I still have those thoughts. Sometimes I'm sitting at home in my study and think, I'm going to move my desk. I'm going to put it over there and move move the settee over here. I'm, I'm going to move things around. But this time, I stop and I plan. And I get some pen and paper and I get a tape measure and work out, will this work? How is this going to fit together? And devise a plan of action before actually going ahead and doing the work. And that's so important. Nehemiah, last week we heard that after hearing those news from Jerusalem, he didn't do anything or didn't appear to do anything for four months. He prayed and fasted before talking to the king, before even his first stage. Four months of fasting and praying before even beginning on his project. Here, we see him arriving in Jerusalem, first verse. And we easily skip over it, don't we, that that little first verse that that comes and goes. I went to Jerusalem, it begins, and then we get straight into the passage. But what does it say? I went to Jerusalem after staying there three days. Even now, he spent two months traveling there. If it had been me, I would have got there. I would have been out there with my spade on the first morning, shifting bits of rubble and trying to get down to the job. But no, he doesn't. He's travelled for a couple of months to get there. And now he stays, he rests, he prays, he waits, he seeks God before doing anything. Three, three days before even going out to look at what needs to be done. This patience, this planning, this prayer. It's so important for us to, to learn This will be done, knows Nehemiah, in God's time. There's no need for him to rush. He waits three days before even venturing out. And then he goes for a look. And he doesn't start digging and doesn't start moving stuff. It's just an assessment of how the ground lies, where the problems might be, what a schedule of works might look like, what materials will be needed, how the work might be accomplished. Planning. Prayerful planning so important if you're building a house that's where you begin with the plans you've made the decisions and then you need to draw up those plans and work out exactly how it's all going to fit together 
And then when you've got those plans, next uh, next P after the preparation, the planning, you need permission. Uh, if you're going to build a house, you need planning permission. If we want to do anything in this church, we need permission. Uh, we need what's called a faculty when we apply to the diocese. Even if you want to put a, a nail in the wall or even take a nail out of the wall, officially you're supposed to get a faculty to, for do that. To build a house, you have to put in plans and seek permission. And I found out lots about that process from, from my daughter and her husband as they've gone through that process of trying to get permission for their extension. Nehemiah, did he have permission? Did he have planning permission for this work? Well, he certainly did. He had the backing of the Persian king sent him with resources who he worked for but more than that he had the backing and the permission of God Almighty this was something that God had called him to do God had laid on his heart God had sent him to do he certainly had the permission he'd been led by God's spirit to do this We see this in verse 12 and in verse 20. In verse 20, right at the end, and we'll come back to this, he reminds those who oppose him that this plan is from God. There's nothing anyone could do about it. This is from God and it's going to succeed. But it was verse 12 that really struck me. And again, it's a verse that you can just skip over. But this is so powerful, this verse 12. It contains a real challenge for us today. Verse 12 is is just in passing here. Nehemiah says, I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. And that really stuck, stuck out as I read that. What my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. And that's a challenge for us today. I want to ask you, what has your God put in your heart to do for Aberystwyth? What has your God put on your heart to do for Aberystwyth or, or your hometown if you happen to be on holiday here? I'm not saying you have to move to Aberystwyth and, and come and help us build the church here. What has God put in your heart to do for Aberystwyth? Here was Nehemiah and he knew. He had that vision. This is what my God has put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. So my question is, what has God put in your heart to do? Or Aberystwyth. Maybe you've been challenged. Maybe you're thinking about praying about something. Maybe God hasn't yet spoken to you. Maybe you've got ideas for a new mission outreach, a new group, a new venture, something in your workplace, your school, your street. What has your God put in your heart to do for Aberystwyth? Something small? Something big? What is he calling you to do? So our prayer today really is, God, what is on your heart for us to do for Aberystwyth? What is he giving us permission to do? As a church here, uh, our vicar Kai has been working with a group of people to ask just that question as we formed a mission action plan, founded not on just some, some good ideas we might have, but on prayer, seeking new directions for the church. We've got some new ideas, a new logo, a new strap line, New Mission Ventures, looking to go where God has called us. What God has put in our hearts for Aberystwyth. Exciting times. It's time to get building. We've got the preparation, the planning, the permission. What next do we need? People. People at the heart of this. Most of us who want to build a house need others to help us. 
building is not easy on your own. Even if you're a professional builder, you probably need someone coming to do the electrics or the gas or do structural surveys or some of the other technical things. And Nehemiah didn't just go out there with a pick and shovel all on his own, trying to repair a little bit of the wall. He realized he was called to lead others to achieve his goal. This was going to be a team project. And if you look at the Bible, when God calls people, we rarely see them acting alone. They act together. Jesus had a group of disciples. He sent them out in groups. They acted together. Even when we see people and we think in the Bible they're acting on their own and we think of the stories of like David and Goliath and David out there by himself, he had the backing and the support of King Saul. Doing it together. Nehemiah had done his research We see that in the verses 13 to 16. Now he addresses the people. They're crucial to this. He needs the people to be on board with this vision. Verses 17 and 18. We see see him talking to them and we hear their response. Then he said to them, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. And they began this good work. See, the people there had been there for quite a while. They had got used to the broken down gates and the big gaps and the walls and the piles of rubble blocking their paths as they went about the city. And it took someone like Nehemiah from the outside to point out to them the obvious we love stating the obvious, don't we, when, we, uh, when things are going on. Uh, a while ago, I fell in church and I cut my head and had a little cut on my head for a while. And whenever I met anyone the following days, people would greet me and say, oh, Mark, you've cut your head. And I was like, well, yeah, I think I was the first one to notice, actually. You know, you don't need to tell me about it. This is my head and, and I've got the scars to prove it. People point out the obvious. And here's Nehemiah coming along saying, look, everyone, the walls are falling down. Your gates are all burnt. Um, And he tells them that. And it's really obvious, really. But it took someone from outside maybe to point it out that actually it was time to do something. Because, do you see, he didn't just tell them the bad news. Look, the place is a mess. He told them the good news too. He said, verse 18, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. He tells them that God is on their side that this isn't insurmountable, that with the help of God, they can do something about it. And I love the way he identifies with the people here. He hasn't come to moan or point the finger at them and say, look, you've been living here for ages. I've been over there. I couldn't do anything about it. I was two months travel away. You've been here. Why haven't you done something about these gates? It's a real mess. Why haven't you done things like this? And point the finger. But no, he's only just arrived. But look carefully at his language. He said to them, you see the trouble we are in you and me come let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will be no longer in disgrace he's there with them with the people part of that team he's with them he has himself a plush job back in Susa he doesn't need to get involved but God has inspired him for this task and it's his task as much as the inhabitants And God is with them, demonstrated by the support of the king. And then we see the keenness 
of the people to help. Because there's a real passion for the work. We've seen preparation, planning, permission, people, and now there's a real passion for the work here. If you want someone to build a house for you, you have to motivate them. In the case of getting someone to build a house, normally financial motivation. You have to pay your builder. Otherwise, he's not going to show up for work. Nehemiah here motivates the people by telling them about God's vision for their city. And they respond with passion, surprisingly well. They they reply, don't they? Let us start rebuilding. Now, there are two things that I would have expected, being a cynical, jaded church minister that I am sometimes, and when you say to people, two things that are a big danger to our churches here, two things that I thought the people here would say, when Nehemiah said, come, let us rebuild these walls, and God has put this vision on, and we can do it. Two things they didn't say. The first thing they didn't say, they didn't say, look, Nehemiah, it's been like this for years. We get by. No one's attacked us. We don't really need these walls. It's, it's always been like this as far as we've, since we've come back from exile. It's been like that. We don't need to change. Let's just keep things as they are. Let's just keep things. It's working for us now. Life is going on. Let's not, let's not change things. And often we get that response in our churches, don't we? We've always done it like that. It's always been like this. The carol service is always on that Sunday. The service always starts at that time. The pews have always been here. We've always drank that coffee in church. Sometimes we fear change. We get used to things how they are. Here's Nehemiah with some new ideas, creativity about rebuilding the city, doing something new, and you'd expect the people here, if there had been some of the churches I worked with, would have said, no, there's no need to change. I remember one vicar saying to me, the only change you're likely to see in my church is in the collection plate. Uh, and (laughs) And that's true of many churches, isn't it? Because we don't like to do things differently. And we fear change. Here Nehemiah saying, come on, let's change the situation. It's not good. Let's do something about it. But they don't respond like that. Well done, those people. We can learn from them. And secondly, they don't say, as I thought they would do, they don't say, We've tried that before and it didn't work. Because you know what? If you look back in Ezra, chapter 4, okay, Nehemiah isn't the first one with this idea of coming along and rebuilding the walls. They've started this before and it went wrong. There was opposition and they gave up. They've only done a little bit of the work and they gave up and it didn't work. And they struggled. And I would have expected the people here when Nehemiah says, come on, let's build the walls. I expected somebody there to pipe up and say, no, we've tried that. And it didn't work. So we're not doing it again. It was a lot of work and it just lots of opposition and it didn't work. But no. Because we can be like that as a church, can't we? Sometimes we say, oh, we tried that. It didn't work. Maybe it was the timing was wrong. Maybe it was the exact details of it. We don't know. But here, they don't fall into these traps. So well done, these people. They respond with real passion and they want to get on and do the work. They reply, let us start rebuilding, and they began this good work. What a challenge for us as a church, as we look to change, as we look to adapt, as we look for creative ideas and seek God's vision for going on. Let's be like these people here and say to one another, let's start this rebuilding. Let's work for what God has called us to do here in Aberystwyth. 
Let's build his kingdom here with God's help. So what a great, great passage. Isn't it inspiring? And it'd be really good to finish there, but those have been counting. We've only had, we've only had five Ps so far. Uh, preparation, planning, permission, people, passion. There's one more we need. Perseverance. Perseverance. Because the people here know it's going to be jolly hard work building those walls. And there's opposition. As things get serious, and as Nehemiah's plan and God's plan for this place starts to take shape, there is increasing opposition. Uh, last week we, we read up to verse 9, and then for some reason this week we began on verse 11. Um, but verse 10 is quite key as well. It talks about opposition. And in verse 10, there are two people opposing the work. By the time we get to our passage today, there are now three key people opposing the work. This opposition is growing. We've got Sanballat, and we'll come across him again. He's an important governor of Samaria, influential man, a lot of political influence. If he's against you, you've got a lot of people against you. That's tough. Uh, Tobiah, you might expect to be supportive. Tobiah's name means the Lord is good. Somebody like that who had a name like that, you'd, you'd, expect, you'd expect him to be on your side. But this Tobiah isn't. And Geshem is now joining the gang. He wasn't in the, in the other two mentioned before. He's now on board against. And they come here accusing Nehemiah of rebelling against the king, which of course isn't true. Nehemiah doesn't even bother to correct them. But he points out, doesn't he, where his authority lies. When Sanballat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you're doing? They asked, are you rebelling against the king? Nehemiah answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. What a great response. If people mock what we're doing. If we get discouraged as a church, as we try new things and people mock us, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. What a great verse for us today. When we seek to be faithful to God, when we set out to do his will, to do those tasks that he has called us to do, he will grant success. But it won't be easy. Not at all. And there will be those who try and hold us back. And we do need perseverance. Paul, when he wrote to the church in Corinth, which was at a difficult time for them, said this in 1 Corinthians 15. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. We're called to be builders. Builders of God's kingdom here. Not destroyers. Not those who stand and oppose. Not those who complain. But to do the work. And to do the work gladly. So Nehemiah is building. And I just want to finish with that, that key verse of verse 12. And ask again. What has God put in your heart to do for Aberystwyth? I challenge you to spend some time this week praying about that, seeking God's will, how you can serve him where he has called you. So let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the example of Nehemiah. We pray that you will help us to be like him, to be faithful in prayer, to be able to wait patiently and not rush into things until you say the time is right. We pray that we will trust you, even in the face of opposition. And just ask for you to give us that perseverance to follow you faithfully. So lead us and guide us individually and as a community of believers here to bring glory to your name in this place. May we build your kingdom here with you. In the name of Jesus, our Saviour and Redeemer. Amen.